Join the Thinking in English Conversation Club right now. For just $2 a week, you can join with other English learners, practice speaking, have conversations, enjoy yourself, and use new vocabulary. We run conversation clubs every Tuesday and Thursday at 12 pm, 6 pm, and 9 pm UK time. So there's no excuse. You can join and you should join right now. Join the Thinking in English Conversation Club. Link in the description. Hello and welcome to the Thinking in English podcast, a podcast for intermediate to advanced level English learners. From tennis, ping pong, and badminton to boxing, rugby, and football, the rules of many modern sports were written by British people. Why? Today, I want to explain how and why so many of the world's sports were invented by the British. You can find a full transcript of today's episode over on the Thinking in English blog. It's free, click the link in the description. You can leave a like, rating, or review of the podcast to support me. Go and join my conversation clubs over on Patreon and check out my YouTube and Instagram pages. Here is today's vocabulary list. As always, the written vocabulary list is available on the Thinking in English blog or in the description of the podcast. To invent. To invent. To design or create something that did not exist before. As in, the World Wide Web was invented in 1989. Folk. Folk. Traditional to or typical of a particular group or country, especially one where people mainly live in the countryside and usually passed on from parents to their children over a long period of time. As in, there are some unique folk dances in this city. To codify, to codify, to organize and write a law or system of laws. For example, the UK doesn't have a codified constitution. Alumni, alumni. Men and women who have completed their studies, especially at a school, college, or university. For instance, there will be a reunion of university alumni next week. Elite, elite. Belonging to the richest, most powerful, best educated or best trained group in a society. For example, elite universities are very competitive to enter. Boarding school, boarding school, a school where students live and study. For example, he studied at a boarding school in the UK. Administrator, administrator. Someone whose job is to control the operation of a business, organisation or plan. As in, she works as a school administrator. Set something up. Set something up. To formally establish a new company, organisation, system, way of working, etc. As in, she plans to set up her own business. I love watching sport. 
Over the weekend, I sat down to watch the opening weekend of the Rugby Union Six Nations Tournament. It is one of the oldest international sporting competitions in the world, and sees England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, France and Italy compete to become the champion. Before Christmas, I watched as many games as possible during the Football World Cup. Before that, I watched the Rugby League World Cup, which took place in the UK. Over Christmas, I enjoyed watching professional darts, and in the summer, I liked to watch tennis at Wimbledon. I'm a big fan of boxing, from professional heavyweights to amateur fights in the Olympics. Speaking of the Olympics, I'll happily watch Olympic sports like rowing and badminton. And during the Winter Olympics, I become a big fan of curling and downhill skiing. My grandfather watches even more sports than I do. He'll spend his days watching sports like cricket, golf and snooker. But there is something interesting about sport, especially all of the sports I just mentioned. They were all invented by British people. Football, rugby tennis, badminton, darts, snooker, golf, rowing, boxing, curling, downhill skiing, cricket, horse racing, squash, field hockey and probably more sports that I have forgotten were invented either either in Britain or by British people. Some of you listening might be about to argue with me, argue against what I just said. Britain didn't invent boxing, we've been punching each other for thousands of years. Or, people have been riding horses for longer than the United Kingdom has existed. And yes, that is true. Britain didn't invent riding horses. We didn't invent fighting or punching people. Britain didn't invent skiing, kicking a ball around or rowing a boat. When talking about the history of football, for example, people always point to the ancient Chinese sport of suju which apparently was a game similar to football. I listened to a podcast by the historian Tony Collins about the topic of suju a few years ago, and it was really interesting. But it has absolutely no relation to the modern sport of football. And this is the key. Sports have existed around the world for thousands of years. Many countries and cultures have traditional folk sports, from European games of mob football that took over entire towns, to Mongolian horse riding and archery, to sports involving hitting objects with sticks. These sports were based in local community traditions, cultural practices, and sometimes even religious festivals. And they were often local and specific. While games involving balls have existed for centuries, the rules varied greatly between every single town and village that played the game. This is why I said Britain invented all of those sports earlier. Britain may not have invented kicking a ball around, but the modern rules of football were invented in the UK. As the historian Tony Collins says, Britain was the first place to develop what we would see today as codified, organised and commercialised sports. When Argentina played France in the World Cup final a few weeks ago, 
They were playing a game based on rules, drawn up and debated over, in English towns 150 years ago, not the rules of Suju from ancient China. The same is true in a heavyweight boxing fight. They are using the Queensbury rules from Britain, not the rules from the ancient Greek Olympics. Even the sport of downhill skiing got its first rules and laws thanks to British expats in Switzerland. People may have hit balls with sticks for many years, but the modern rules of 18-hole golf were written in Scotland. The sporting influence of Britain is clear to see, but how and why did Britain invent so many sports? And why did these sports become popular across the world? Well, the reasons are a combination of the Industrial Revolution, Britain's public schools, and the British Empire. The Industrial Revolution The traditional story of Britain's variety of sports is that the Industrial Revolution occurred in the UK first, creating a new generation of middle-class people with more time and money to spend on doing leisurely activities like sport. And this is not necessarily true. There is a lot true about it, but it's not the whole picture. We tend to have an image of peasants in the Middle Ages working constantly and living a very tough life. The reality is that for a lot of the year, life for peasants was not actually busy. They worked long and hard days during the summer and while harvesting crops in the autumn, but during cold winters there was little to do apart from play games. Like all countries, Britain has a long history of rural and traditional sports. From horse riding, fighting, archery and swordsmanship, all sports that are used to train for war, to large games involving a ball, hundreds of players and played across an entire town. My hometown even has its own traditional race, invented 500 years ago, in which women run down the main street holding a frying pan with a pancake inside of it. Yep, that's right, my hometown invented pancake racing. Sports, therefore, existed before the Industrial Revolution. What the Industrial Revolution did was allow sport to become first regional, then national, and then international. Before the Industrial Revolution, travel was difficult. You couldn't simply take a plane, train, bus or car to the next town to play them at a game of football. Sport was very much a local activity based on the traditions of the town or school. The game played in one area could have been completely different rules to the next town over. The Industrial Revolution allowed people to travel more easily and sports to be played with people from other parts of the country. And there was a problem. How could you organise a game of football or cricket or even golf if everyone had their own rules? The answer was you couldn't easily. Some early solutions were to play the game of the home team. So if you were playing in Sheffield, you would play Sheffield rules of football or to play one half with one set of rules and the other half with the other set of rules. The best solution, however, was to make a standard and codified rule book. 
rather than hundreds of regional varieties, if there was one set of rules everyone could follow and everyone could play the same sport. Public schools It would be a lie to say Britain invented so many sports due to working class people having more freedom due to the Industrial Revolution. The opposite was true. Rather than working on farms with lots of free time during the winter months, millions of people were now working in factories every day of the week with no free time. There was no time to play sport. Sport flourished and became more popular and professional due to working class involvement later on, and that is for sure. Laws were changed in the 1800s and early 1900s to let workers have more rest and eventually some sporting associations in the UK allowed professional players. But the real forces behind the establishment of formal sports and sporting associations were Britain's public schools, their teachers, their students and their alumni. The first FA Cup one of the oldest football tournaments in the world, using modern rules, was not won by Manchester United or Chelsea or Liverpool. It was won by Wanderers FC, a team of former public school boys. And the early years of that tournament, the FA Cup, were dominated by the Wanderers, Old Etonians, so alumni of Eton School, and Oxford University. Here I think I need to explain or define something for you, which confuses non-British people. In the UK, a public school is an elite and expensive private school. In America they are free schools, but the term public school in the UK is the opposite. It is a private school. The origin of the term is based in the history of education and language, Maybe I'll do an episode on it in the future. But when I say public school, I am referring to the great private schools of the UK. Eton, Harrow, St Paul's, Winchester. These were the schools that educated the most elite people that you could imagine. As the Industrial Revolution powered the British Empire and allowed Britain to colonise more countries, the need for boarding schools increased. As Britain was sending men around the world to govern parts of Asia, Africa and the Americas, their children needed places to study. Rather than being educated overseas, the officers and administrators of the empire sent their children back to the UK to study. These schools were designed to raise and train the future leaders of the British Empire, future government officials, military officers and colonial administrators. Sport became a key part of education at these schools. The students would often take part in team sports every day. Sports were seen as an activity that not only promoted health and fitness, but also made good team players, hard-working individuals, strategic thinkers and students with a sense of justice and fairness. All of these were seen as good qualities for a man who could oversee the future of the empire. Each school 
would have their own games and their own rules. Eton famously has a game called the wall game, where two teams compete to touch a ball against the wall. And one of the most famous games was rugby, named after the school it was first played at in the town of Rugby. However, when these schools wanted to play games against each other, it caused problems. Thanks to the Industrial Revolution, they could now travel more easily and they wanted to compete against other schools. As the popularity of sport in schools grew, the demand for one set of rules also increased. An example, or a famous example, is at the University of Cambridge. I think at one point, Cambridge had around 10 different football teams, all playing different rules of football. The alumni of Eton School would play their own rules, the alumni of Rugby School would play their version, and the alumni of other schools would do the same. Eventually, in 1848, they made an effort to make one set of rules, a Cambridge game of football. As sport was such a key component of education at these schools, their alumni wanted to continue playing as adults. And it was these alumni who were key to creating and setting the rules to tennis and football, cricket, rugby, hockey and many other sports. The British Empire These alumni were also key to spreading British sports and rules around the globe. The men educated in private boarding schools eventually moved out of England to parts of the British Empire and they took their sports and their games with them. You can still see the history of colonialism in some sports. Cricket is one of the most popular sports in the world. But in the Cricket World Cup, the competitors tend to include Australia, New Zealand, India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, the Caribbean, South Africa, all former British colonies. Britain's informal empire also helped to spread sport. The alumni of British boarding schools ended up in cities across the world. The first non-British football club was set up by British students in Switzerland. Some of you may be AC Milan football fans. I have a lot of Italian listeners. AC Milan was originally a cricket and football club founded by two English men. And that's why the club's name is Milan, not Milano. The Genoa Football Club is one of the oldest in Italy. But originally, it didn't allow Italians to play, as it was just for English people in the city and it focused on cricket and athletics. If you are Brazilian, you probably know the team Corinthians, one of the most successful Brazilian teams of all time. But did you know that the original Corinthians team is currently playing in the 8th level of British football? Yet the British Corinthians, over a 100 years ago, toured South America and inspired the creation of a team with the same name, Interestingly, football in South America was introduced by British rail railroad workers, part of this informal empire. And a key point here is that the British Empire spread sport almost accidentally.
they often didn't allow non-British people to join their clubs, and they made no effort to promote the sport to the public. But the games became immensely popular anyway. And the fact that British sports had clear rules for everyone to follow made these instantly popular. From boxing to cricket to football to downhill skiing, the rules made by the British still shape these sports today. So here is today's final thought. While Britain didn't invent sport or even kicking a ball around, British people did make the rules for many of the popular sports today. Hopefully I have been able to demonstrate that a combination of the Industrial Revolution, the British school system and the British Empire allowed British sports to become dominant across the world. But what is your favourite sport? What is a sport that your country invented? A sport that was invented in your country? I'm really curious, let me know. Reach out on Spotify, leave a comment, reach out on Instagram or on the Thinking and English blog. Go over to the blog, read the transcripts and leave a comment. I make these transcripts for free for every single episode. So go and check them out. Every single episode of Thinking in English has had a transcript. And they're 270 something, all over on the Thinking in English blog, and all for free. So go and listen and go and read them, I guess. Uh, we have a YouTube channel and an Instagram page, both called Thinking in English Podcast. The YouTube channel, we're going to try and be better at putting the videos and podcasts out, out on YouTube. And uh, I want to start making more. YouTube content in the next few months. So go and subscribe over on YouTube. And Instagram, 12,000 followers. It's the best place to follow up with my life, right? I don't always post things about English. I tend to post pictures of me walking in the countryside and the coffee I'm drinking in the morning. So if you're interested in my life, go and follow me on Instagram. I also do content for English learners, of course, as well. Uh, And the best way to support Thinking in English is to leave a like, a rating or a review wherever you're reading or wherever you're listening right now. So if you're on Spotify, give me a five-star rating. We're at 4.5k reviews, so 4,500 reviews. That's incredible. And on Apple, I've got some amazing Apple reviews over the last few weeks. And it makes me so happy every single time I read an Apple review. So go and leave me a review on Apple. And, well, I said the best way was to leave a review, but actually the best way to support me and Thinking in English is to join our conversation club. The conversation club costs just $2 a week, about $2 a week, and runs six times a week at the moment. We're thinking about launching new uh, study groups, so there'll be more times. Um, and we do bonus events as well. Recently, we've been doing them on Wednesdays. So there's lots of things happening, right? So and for just $2 a week, you can join all of these things. So go and uh, go and join, links in the description, join the conversation club. You'll be really helping me turn this into a profitable and professional business, basically. Um, and if you want English classes, we also offer English classes. Again, the link is in the description. We have classes every Wednesday, 
uh, at B1, B2 and C1 level with a CELTA qualified English teacher, Nathan. Um, and uh, everyone who's attended so far has loved the classes and generally buys more. So please go and attend and they're affordable. When I started thinking in English, the idea is to give you, the listener, the English learner, the most opportunities to practice English for the least amount of money. That's why the Conversation Club is just $10 a month, $2 a week, because I would rather have 500 of you guys joining at a cheap price compared to 20 joining at a really high price, right? So I want you guys to go and uh, go and subscribe because it's the best way to improve your English is to use English every day. Like over on our Discord community, which you can join as part of your membership, we have uh, conversation groups about food and drink, movies, current events, the IELTS exam, grammar questions, uh, a Wordle group I just started. So if you want to play the game Wordle with me, and all of this you can do over on the Discord community. So yeah, I've talked a lot. I always talk a lot at the end of these episodes. Uh, I wonder if you're still listening. If anyone's still listening, say hi in my Instagram messages. I'm curious how many people listen to the end of these podcasts uh, because I kind of don't have a script for the end of the podcast, so I just talk out of my head. Uh, but yeah, join my Patreon, subscribe to me on YouTube, follow me on Instagram, uh, go check out the transcript of this episode and say hello to me on Instagram. See you next time. Bye. Bye.